Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenido a Uy, qué horror, a Latinx Horror Movie Podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hello. How's it going over there? <laughs> going good. Uh, we were just chatting about how this movie's really chatty. So I think we got to just fucking jump right in, bro. Dive into <laughs> this bitch. You know what? Let's, yes, let's just get into it. Fuck it and go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. No ridiculous chats about smoothies or. No stories. Listen, did Johnny and I see each other this weekend? Yes. Was it delightful? Yes. You don't need to know because honestly, we'd need to talk about this fucking film. <laughs> let's get it done. Also, I'm so excited for you to explain to me what the hell's going on here. So I am very excited to, to just be wrapped fully yes. at attention to listen to what happened in this film. Let's get into it. We really have to. Before we do and before we get a lovely little synopsis from you, let's great. tell you what movie it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing great. So this this week uh, was my pick. I feel like I keep picking Bumpito movies because this is another Bumpito movie. Yeah, which is also kind of like almost not, but is kind of, you know. I was tricked porque yo busqué películas de horror de Venezuela because mm -hmm. I was like, we haven't been to Venezuela in a while. Let's see what's up. And this was one of the first ones to pop up and it said El Vampiro del Lago. So that's the movie we're doing, El Vampiro del Lago. Great. And y'all know me. I don't like trailers. I don't like to read anything. I just kind of see it and pick it and go. Mm -hmm. But I saw very little, tiny little blurb with my eyes very quickly that was like based on And then I saw that and I was like, okay, based on, usually that's followed by true events or something of, of that nature. Based on blah, 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 un asesino serial. And I was <gasps> like, oh, okay, so maybe it's a, a fucking uh, serial killer, real life fucking murderer in Venezuela. Delightful. I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me, too. You sent me the movie we were doing, and I was like, oh, shit, based on the most famous serial killer in Venezuela, which I was like, clearly know nothing about this. Very excited that both of us are into true crime, you know, very scary. And, um, well, maybe we'll get into some stuff and trivia, but I was like, wait, what? Uh, well, it turns out that based on was based on a novel sure <laughs> titled El Vampiro de Maracaibo which is a Venezuelan book we'll get to that in a little bit later so not based on true stories but you know it's got some shit in there so so yeah we'll chat about that but before we do please remember to subscribe rate and review and how about some titulos de terror from yes. our foreign lands here's the thing I watched this and it gave me a lot of Seven vibes. 100%. Literally in my notes, I have like, oh, this is like from Seven. From Seven. Yeah. Seven. Very Seven-y. Mm -hmm. And I think Seven would lean more towards like suspenseful thriller slash like procedural type of vibe, which I think this also lends to that. Yo pensé que iba a ser más horror. This is definitely more towards like detective story kind of vibe. Sure, sure. But still, there's some horror in there. Yeah, that exists in the all-encompassing world of horror. You know, it is a, a vast land. 
So I was like, let's see what Seven is titled in other countries. And most of them are, <laughs> it's just called Seven. Oh. <laughs> pero, pero, en Argentina se llama Pecados Capitales. So, capital sin. Y en Brasil se llama Seven, Usechi Crimes Capitais. So, the seven capital crimes. In no country was it Siete or Sechi? Nope. Wow. Okay. Todo era Seven. Wow. Porque, ¿sabes por qué? I think since the title is technically S-E, the number seven, E-N, so people were just like... Seven. Ahí ve el siete y estamos el con el siete. Okay. Y el seven. Vamos a ver el seven. <risa> Está el Brad Pitt. <risa> y el, el Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman. Y la Gwene. Gwene. La Gwene es <risa> When did you first see seven? I'm just curious because I was in Bolivia and I have a very, very like vivid memory of seeing that for the first time there. I was in Brazil and it was once it already gone to TV on HBO and I was like, whoa, 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 this is bonks. I loved it, though, because it was like mystery and like all that shit. It didn't spook me out as much, although I will say that scene where the dude in the bed sloth. Girl. Oh, my God. That one where it comes back alive. (laughs) It's terrifying. (laughs) Creeps me to my bones. But anyway, today, let's talk about this fucking lake vampire. Let's talk about El Vampiro del Lago, who it was written and directed by Carl Zittelman. And it is from Venezuela of the year 2018. Mm -hmm. So not too long ago. And how about you give us a little synopsis? All right, this is our synopsis that I got from IMDb. Here we go. Desperate to find a subject for his next novel, Ernesto Navarro follows the tracks of a mysterious killer, a man obsessed with drinking human blood and becoming immortal. Yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. We open flying over some water. I'm assuming this is the lake in our title. (laughs) (laughs) That should be it. The Vampire's Lake. See, el lago lleno de vampiros. <laughs> and we're flying into the view of a city. I'm assuming Caracas. And we hear a news report playing describing the murder of a young girl who was found decapitated and that it's pointing towards satanic rituals is what we hear. Now in an apartment, we see an older man and he's watching this news that we've been hearing. And he takes a big old glug of his drink and he goes to pull out an old tape recorder and a box of cassette tapes. He grabs one of the tapes, he pops it in, and from it, a voice says, La sangre tiene un sabor tan exquisito y un poder demasiado grande. So blood has a lovely, exquisite flavor <sighs> and a power that is way too big. Even God fears the power of blood because anyone who can master that secret, comisario, can subdue his fellow man. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. And on the cassette, we see, because the shot is just the cassette, and this is pretty much our title card, a little piece of tape that says, El Vampiro del Lago. I loved this title reveal. Me too. Very, very cool. Very, very clever. And just one little note about that little, like, 
radio because the dude is listening to the radio of like, oh, this child was found decapitated, which is horrible news. Horrible. Horrible. Satanic rituals, all this. Oh, and by the way, the National Theater is hosting its gala. Everybody show up. And I'm not. (laughs) That's the news that (laughs) comes after. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that was so jarring to me. But I was like, did the director purposefully include this to be like, you know, true crime has become a source of entertainment. I'm not quite sure that that was the purpose here, but I was like, what a way to just quickly shift from like this horrible decapitation to like, don't forget to show up to the gala, everybody, with your smiles on and your pretty dress. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like the news is always this back and forth flip-flop of like, and 13 people were killed in the back of a truck, but coming up next, a squirrel loves to water ski, and you're like, hold on, what? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So that's what I got from that right off the top. I was like, oh, okay, here we are. Totally. Sensationalism. (laughs) That's it. So now we meet Ernesto Navarro, who's very handsome, by the oh. way. Lovely green eyes, a lovely uh, floofy mop hair. Of hair. Mop of hair. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, your fave. <laughs> a beard. He looks a little disheveled, yeah. unkempt kind of guy. Very writer type. Yes, because as we learn, he's a failed writer and he's going through a divorce. He's trying to sell his book called La Serpiente Purpura, which he claims to anyone and everyone that'll ask to everybody. He's like, listen, my book is a cult book. OK, and not like my es book is about cults. Es un libro de culto, which means he is trying to sell the fact that, oh, but this is a cult book. OK, it's cults. People that like me, they're few and far between, but when they like me, they like me. It's mm-hmm. cult-like, okay? It's like, bro. <laughs> wow. I could not believe how many times he fucking mentioned this shit. A cada rato. Mira, pero mi libro es un libro de culto. Mira, ya te dije que el libro es un libro de culto. Hey, you Déjame on the street acordarte. over there. <laughs> un libro, un de, libro culto. de culto. <laughs> wow. Okay, we got it, sir. We got it. Thank you. <laughs> So at one of his very empty book signings, uh-huh, Libro de Culto, My Fucking Nalgas, uh, <laughs> he literally is getting ready to walk out because nobody's there when a strange blurry man walks in, drops his copy of Ernesto's book. Ernesto signs it, gives it back to the man, and the man turns and walks away. I liked this. Because you never see the man's face. No. And it's silent. Yes. This actually gave me creeps. The willies? Yeah. Absolutely. Why can't I see this person's face? Yeah. What's the deal with your face? Show me your face. Show me your face. (laughs) In his apartment, Ernesto reads on these, like, murders that have been happening that um, lately in Caracas and in Venezuela, specifically in this area around the lake... And on his computer screen, we see like over a dozen pictures of children, it seems, with the headline that reads, Solo se encontraron las cabezas, which is dark as hell. There's a knock on the door and it's Ernesto's new girlfriend, Suli. And Suli is dropping off a bunch of newspapers. They're all the editions since June 6th. And she asks him what he needs them for. And Ernesto says, I think I found the subject of my new novella. 
And she's like, a whole year thinking about this. And there is a brief moment of silence where she's like, oh, I crossed the line. And he's like, bitch, how dare you? It's to me was very funny. Oh, I loved, <laughs> loved it. And also I was like, ooh, I like Suli. I like her that she's like throwing just like a touch of sass. And also along those lines, I had like an just a feeling about this character that I was like, not about Suli, about El Ernesto, that I was like, uh -huh. I'm not sure I'm going to like this person. Yeah. And here, like, Suli comes. She's younger than he is. Yes. She's clearly, like, flirty with him. And he's very much like, no, I'm not really feeling it. And I was like, I'm all for a complicated character. Always. But I was like, something is rubbing me the wrong way about this guy. You know what it was giving me? It was giving me Ethan Hawke in Sinister vibes. Like, I've got something to do. And yes. it's like, dude, don't don't go that way. I'm not going to let anybody get in my way. I don't care if it's my friends, my family, anything. I need to get my work done. Exactly. Because I got to sell that book. You know, I got to make sure it's not a fucking libro de culto next time. It's got to be a big, big splash. I got to be New York Times bestseller vibes. Exactly. And I was like, oh, boy, this is this is going to get you into trouble, dude. So Suli, after sassing him a little bit, she looks at his computer screen and she seems to recognize what he's researching And she's like, ah, es que tú vas a escribir sobre el diablo del llano. Mm. And he's like, uh, el diablo del who? And she goes, you know, the diablo del llano has been around for a while. And he types in el diablo del llano into his Google machine. And all these different articles on murders come up. And he turns to her and he says, who gave it that name? And she says, one of the old crime reporters that was working on it. And Suli, she's like giving him this information and she tries to get a little sexy with him. And Ernesto is like, listen, um, my bed's really small. My apartment's dirty. I don't have enough sheets. Like he's giving excuses. And she's like, oh, say, you made me you just made me come here to deliver these newspapers. And now you're telling me to fuck off. Right. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, I love this phrase because I've never heard it before. But immediately you hear it and you're like, I know what that means. And she goes. Yo de gafa. Like, I'm the dumbass that came over yeah. here like an idiot. I thought I was here because I mean something to you that this is important, pero no. Yo soy la dunda. Yo soy la pendeja that believed it. Yo de gafa. He straight up used her ass. And she's not wrong because <laughs> as soon as she walks out, he goes straight to the newspapers that <laughs> she brought him. Thanks, Suli. So we see a very Seven-esque montage of clippings and newspapers on walls and, you know, Charlie from Sunny, Always Sunny in Philadelphia kind of putting everything together <laughs> yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. And so now we're looking at the banks of the lake. And it seems that Ernesto has been brought to this area. There's some people looking around in this, like, on the banks of the lake. And he meets La Doctora Gomez, who... In the subtitles, it says judge. And I love this about Spanish in that somebody in a high position of like just anybody who has a Ph.D. or has some sort of high position in any field mm. usually is referred to as doctor or doctora. It doesn't matter if it's medicine or law or whatever. Doctora. Entonces, 
I mean, they say judge. I'm. She felt very like police chief esque or like a fancy schmancy cop lady, top of the line. And she's a tough older lady. And she's she asks Ernesto, "Hey, thank you for coming. Um, can you tell me what your book is about?" <laughs> he says, "Oh, it's a psychological thriller, exploring the dark side of human nature, but more specifically, a killer with a skin problem that leaves." traces of his skin in all of his crime scenes which i was like ew that's disgusting it's a cult book everybody it's a cult book you wouldn't get it listen es un libro de culto you wouldn't get it es un libro de culto cállense <laughs> so la doctora then is like great lovely to hear please come with me and they walk over closer to the crime scene and la doctora tells him that they found a bunch of burnt papers in this space and the remains of a Bible. But amongst these burnt papers, they found a signed piece of his book cover, you know, with his little autograph. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Ernesto tells la doctora, mira, I wrote this book five years ago. I signed a bunch of fucking books. I don't know if you've heard my book is a fucking libro de culto. So she's like... Okay, great, but have you received any threatening messages, any, like, admirers that are weird or anything? And he's like, nope. And Ernesto, real glib, is like, listen, what did you bring me here for? Why are you wasting my time? I don't want to look at burnt papers and candles. What the fuck is this all about? And she motions to his, like, to one of the side cops to lift a little tarp that's there. And immediately he fucking voms. Mm -hmm. He voms real hard because it's a decapitated head. And then another cop comes over and talks to la doctora saying that he has arrived. And she tells Ernesto to leave his number and information with whoever. And then she leaves to talk to what seems to be the older man from the very top that was playing the cassette tapes. And Ernesto turns to ask one of the cops, who is that? And we get a smash cut to someone calling out, Jeremias Morales! which is the name of our older man from the top. And this Jeremia Morales, he's a retired comisario. Now, comisario, you would think that would be commissioner, like Commissioner Gordon. Sure. But it's more of inspector or detective is this term. So el comisario seems to be having some problems with his pension because of bureaucracy and emails. Oh, I don't <laughs> do emails. Darn them to hell. I simply cannot. How dare you? The interwebs? Who knows? Entonces, as he walks out of the pension's office building, we see that Ernesto has followed him here, and now he's going to follow him home. At Jeremias's home, Ernesto knocks, and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm friends with La Doctora Gomez. Can I come in and chat with you? Jeremias Morales is like, come on in. I'm an old man. Inside, Ernesto's like, I would like to know uh, what you know, sir, about El Diablo del Llano. And Jeremias is like, what are you, a cop? <laughs> Might as well have said that. <laughs> what are you, a cop? And Ernesto says, mira, yo hago trabajo de investigación. And immediately Jeremias gets up, goes to his bookshelf, and pulls out a copy of La Serpiente Púrpura, which, by the way, was right next to a copy of El Vampiro de Maracaibo. Did you notice that? Nice. I did not. Good catch. Right next to it. Yeah. Very cool. And he says, as an investigator, you're shit, my guy. But you're a good writer, so that's pretty good. You're not 
Goethe. He says Goethe. Goeth, Goeth, Goeth. Oh, yeah. Goethe. 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 <laughs> Yo no sé cómo se dice eso. Sorry to the smart friends out there. You're not that guy, but you're good. <laughs> and again, I see, pero es un libro de culto. No sabía, señor Morales. Oh, my God. And Ernesto, bien arrogante, he's like, listen, everybody's reading shit these days, all this self-help books and whatever. And Morales is like, listen, pump it with your arrogance because bien sabe el diablo a quien se aparece. The mm. devil knows who he shows himself to. Mm -hmm. And Morales then tells him, listen, I got shit to do. I don't have time to talk about you and worry about your shit. And Ernesto, very smugly again, is like, is it about your pension? You need money? And Jeremias is like, mira, I don't need this shit. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Okay, bye. Now we're at the morgue. And it seems Ernesto has paid the coroner or the guy that works at the morgue, the morgue guy to ask some questions and like to be able to see up close the decapitated head that was over at the lake that they found. And the coroner says, listen, the head was chopped off with un machete because you can see the irregular cuts. This was really gross because we got way close to this head yeah. and like the dead flesh and the inside was like all brown and gross. I was like, blah, blah, blah. yeah, it looks like I think the word is desiccated, like very yeah. dry. Ugh. Yes. Very gross. Disgusting. And I think a reason why it's desiccated and gross is the corner morgue dude says there's no bruises or trauma, which is really weird. And it probably means that the body was drained completely of the blood in its body uh, before it was beheaded. Mm. So no blood, slice, head off. Now we're at Suli's job, which is a newspaper. El Panorama is the name of this newspaper. Ernesto brings her flowers to apologize, pero de nuevo, you can tell he's looking to get something from her because immediately he asks, after she forgives him, immediately he's like, hey, by the way, can you search the database for some keywords, please? Ugh. She's like, you motherfucker, how dare you? Oh, my God. But she does it anyways. That dick must be real good because he's like, okay, hematosis, which is no blood in the body kind mm. of vibe. Blood. Demasiado sir, like answers. That's too many. <laughs> and finally, he says, OK, look up Vampiro and see what you got in your newspaper database, which brings up five results. And one of them is titled Desenterrados 33 Cadáveres Víctimas del Vampiro Asesino. Uy. 33 uncovered bodies, victims of the <laughs> vampire assassin. So... The article reads that Zacarias Ortega, a.k.a. El Vampiro del Lago, has taken the most prominent position in criminal history with at least 33 crimes under his belt. And that the chief investigator of this, these murders was Jeremias Morales, mm -hmm. the old man. So, inmediatamente vemos que Ernesto goes back to Jeremias's house and he comes in hot yelling, Zacarias Ortega! Like, Dude. sir, I live here. Can you stop yelling outside my home? Reason 42 why I was like, Ernesto, no, I'm not feeling it. Calm down. Just barging in on this old man's house. And nobody owes you anything, you fucking dick. And this old man doesn't have to tell you shit. 
a goddamn thing. No. But obviously, Jeremias is like, all right, come inside. And Jeremias asks, where did you get that name? Where'd you find that? And Ernesto shows him the article. And it says that in 1975, Zacarias Ortega would drain the blood of his victims and then cut off their heads. And who was Zacarias Ortega? And Jeremias gives in to fucking pushy-ass Ernesto, and he's like, okay, Zacarias was an evil man. Some men kill out of necessity, some for money, some are sick in the head, and they don't know the difference between good and evil. But Zacarias knew exactly what he was doing. And Ernesto asks where he can find Zacarias Ortega's, and says, you know, I know you've been having problems with your pension, but if you help me find him, we can come to an arrangement, quote unquote. And he promises Jeremias that he can get him six months of back pay from his pension since everything was all fucked up for him if he helps him out to find out about Zacarias Ortega, which seems like a good deal for Jeremias. And so Jeremias Morales begins his story. It all started March 1975, and Jeremias remembers being sent to look at some decapitated heads that had been found floating in the lake. And we see a young Jeremias, very handsome mustache, uh, like a quaffed hairdo, a big look. lapel shirt kind of thing, like a tan uh, blazer, some wide leg pants, very handsome, classic 70s look. They did great with the 70s vibes in these flashbacks. So young Jeremias is inspecting these heads, and just then another inspector comes in and he's like, listen, we found new evidence, let's fucking go. So in the car, one of the other inspectors turns to young Jeremias in the back seat and he's like, ¿Y qué te parece que ahora hasta brujos tenemos aquí en Santa Bárbara? Mm. So they're chasing a brujo, basically. Mm-hmm. When suddenly a woman falls out on the road in front of their car, they fucking screech to a halt and the cops run out to help her. And she's like, mira, my husband almost beat me to death. My name is Pilar Briseño. My husband is Zacarias Ortega. Every day he comes home with his clothes and face covered in blood. Uh, Imaginate. Puta, gone. <laughs> I'm gone. Me voy. Dude. Me voy. Yeah. And this morning he came home again, dripping in blood, and he grabbed me, he threw me on the ground, and he hit me. Just follow that path right down there. He's there, and the men grab their guns, and they're like, all right, let's go into this tiny house in the middle of the bush, leaving Pilar in the car. And she even says, Inspector, con cuidado. And you're just like... What is your shitty husband going to do to us, right? That's fucking uh, Jeremias's face. He's like, okay, man, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're fine, but, thank like, you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's getting dark, the sun is setting, and the men approach this little hut house that Jeremias walks into with his gun drawn, and he sees on the floor that there's blood pooling, and then he looks up a little, and we see a naked man crouched on the ground, suckling off of the neck of a man that's hanging upside down, seemingly either dead, unconscious. Almost dead. The man suckling on this neck looks up and attacks Jeremias, pinning him to the ground, 
fully covered in blood, butt-ass naked. The two other cops come in and try to stop this naked dude, but he overpowers them and throws them over tables and is punching them in the face. And then he goes back to grab Jeremias and slams his head on the wall and shit, and everything goes dark. We hear old Jeremias' voice saying, Aquel hombre tenía una fuerza descomunal. So this man's strength was like unknown. It was too much for what he seemed to be. And he's an old fart. He's an old man. He's an old man. He's got white hair, a wrinkly bod, and he is beating these motherfuckers down. (laughs) Yeah. And then we hear old Jeremias say, I didn't wake up until the next day. That's how hard he got knocked Mm. out. And we see it's daylight now, and young Jeremias is running out from the bush back to the car. We see that the backseat window where Pilar was is covered in blood, uh, and Pilar is gone. This freaked me out so much. Me too. Oh God. Me too. So he goes to the back of the car. He grabs a rifle from the trunk, and he's looking all around the road. Yeah, yeah. There he is. Todavía desnudo. Full ass Ortega. shot. Old Full ass, ass shot. shot. Just a wrinkly old ass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremias screams at Zacarias Ortega, who is this naked man, uh, as he to get down on his knees, which Zacarias does. And the other two cops come running and they tell uh, Jeremias that Pilar is dead, basically. That they found her dead. And Ortega, on his knees, naked, covered in blood, disgusting teeth, starts laughing quietly and evilly. In present day, Ernesto says that he would have liked to hear what the vampiro had to say in his interrogation when they brought him in. Well, lucky for you, bud, that Jeremias has tapes all over the motherfucking place. So he goes to grab his tape recorder and he plays... The interrogation, quote unquote. So now we're back into the 70s in the interrogation room. And young Jeremias says, state your name loudly and clearly. Soy el lechuza, la peste, el vampiro del lago. Every place I go gives me a different name. And then he says, I guess I should explain my sacrifices, which is what they are. Sacrifices. Ofrendas de amor, which is yikes. Yeah, weird and dark. And he says, I've killed a lot of people. And for as long as I've lived, you lose track of some of the things. But guess what? It was a lot. And he says, I've also had a lot of wives, which means I've led a different life with each one. Some died of old age, others of illness, others I had to kill. Some people want eternal life in paradise. Yo no. I want eternal life here on earth para gozar de los placeres terrenales sin límites. I want to enjoy the worldly pleasures with no limits. Pero that has a price. La sangre. It's the only way to pay mi señor. The first blood that I offered and tasted was my own. Me vacié por completo y me la bebí toda. That, first of all, I was like, how do you do that? How can you get rid of your own blood and then drink it all up? That's death. That's death. You're dead. I mean, I am no doctor, but I don't think that's how it works. Listen, I didn't go to school for fucking math, but that's not mathing, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Jeremias asks, how long ago did this happen? What's going on? And Zacarias says, you weren't born. Your father wasn't born. Your abuelo wasn't born. And Jeremias keeps asking, how many people have you fucking killed, my guy? This is all I'm here for. I don't need your fucking monologue, your Hamlet that you're giving at me. This It's all very flourishing and like, this guy is great, by the oh, way. Oh, it's very cool. And also they put a they put an effect on his voice. Not not an effect, but they it's very pronounced. And yes. like, you know, I was I was watching this movie with headphones on and it is like deep and resonant. Like they've definitely kind of pushed it. I feel like this man has to be a theater actor. Absolutely. Like he is, he is, yeah. it's emphasis in yes. todas las cosas. He Yo soy el muerto y la resonance. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Jeremias is like, how many people have you fucking killed? And he goes, we could spend days here counting my sacrifices for the honor of my Lord. If we go close to my house, like there's a little triangle there where you'll find 33 people. The last person that I buried there is my wife, Pilar. You mm. met her. Pobrecita. And he says, this is my curse. No me olvido de nada. And the past weighs down more than I can hold. Like, oh, wah, I'm so sorry you're burdened with all the fucking murders you're committing. Get the fuck Your over it, Your sacrifices, kiss my yeah, ass. kiss my ass. So Jeremias says, well, since you've got such a great memory, my dude, here's a notebook. And you're going to write down every single name of your victims. And then he asks, ¿Y por qué la sangre? And we hear the clip from the very top that we see old Jeremias listening to, which is la sangre tiene un sabor tan exquisito y un poder demasiado grande. Even God fears the power of blood because anyone who can master that secret, comisario, can subdue his fellow men. Back to present day and Ernesto is asking what the fuck happened to Zacarias Ortega. And Jeremias says, well, he hung himself in his cell at least that's what the penitentiary let everybody know when it happened. And he says, I thought that that was the end of El Vampiro, pero unfortunately, I was wrong. Four years later, we see a young boy walking home from school and a car pulls up in front of him. A bald man in a priest outfit walks up to the boy. He grabs him by the arm. He chloroforms this kid. And carries him over his shoulder and puts him back into his car. Meanwhile, Joven Jeremias, the young one, the 70s Jeremias, is going to a hospice to meet a man in a wheelchair who's supposed to be an older dude, but he just yeah. looks like in his mid-50s kind of dude. And this guy's named Agapito. Agapito has requested... Jeremias to come and see him and Jeremias is like, uh, what can I do for you? <laughs> when I tell you, I was like, who the fuck is this person? First of all, the moment the bald priest appeared, I was like, who is that? <laughs> but also I was confused because he looks very, very much like Zacarias Ortega, pero eh, calvo. And then when this dude appeared, this uh, Agapito, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. There are too many men in this movie. I've <laughs> met so many men. This is such a, this movie is just men, men. There are two women in this film. 
two. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, I am so lost in the woods right now. Okay, so you're telling me Agapito was like, I want to speak to El Jeremias Morales. Correcto, the El Inspector. Oh my God. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Okay, here we are. Uh, Johnny's back, back on track. Great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremias is like, what can I do for you, Agapito? And Agapito hands him a newspaper that has an article titled El Cura Chupa Sangre Ataca de Nuevo. So the blood-sucking priest attacks again. Terrifying. Yes. <laughs> And Agapito says, the man you're looking for, this cura, his name is Ramon Perez Brenes. <laughs> yes. Nothing. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny just now goes, he throws his head back and he's like, oh. <laughs> I didn't. Look, thank God for Eileen putting this together for me right now because I was like, who is who? Who is what? Where are we? Okay, okay, okay. La primera vez that I watched this movie the first time, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And like you said, so many men and so many men's names that are just like, mira, Zacarias Morales. Y Jeremias? No, no, Those two Jeremia together? Morales, Zacarias Ortega. Ufa. It's just... Too many common Spanish names. Ramon dude. Perez. Like, dude, Perez is my one of my last names. So, like, <laughs> like I'm not kidding. It's one of my last I names. I know you're not. I find it hilarious. Like, so I watched this a second time and I was still like, you know what? Gonna say a prayer for Eileen. Godspeed. Have yeah. fun. Because I was yeah. just like, que esta. I will say I was not having a bad time. I was no, no, no. invested, just very See, much like there's a bit too much going on in this movie. Yes, there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, yeah. I think it could could have snip just a little bit here and there because I'm like too many ideas. Anyway, here we are. Let's keep going. So the man we're looking for is Ramon Perez Brenes. Okay, yes. ese es el cura chupa sangre, <laughs> supuestamente. Great. <laughs> And Jeremias is like Eileen's uncle. <laughs> See, and Jeremias is like, where can I find Ramon Perez Brenes? And Agapito is like, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Then what the fuck are you calling me? Why here do you for, want guy? me here? Wow, <laughs> to confuse us more. Exactly. So he says, I couldn't tell you because I haven't seen him in over forty years. And then Jeremias says, well, if it's over forty years, you're an old man in hospice care. Like he's probably obviously dead, and. Agapito says, nope, he sucks blood and mocks God. He's a vampire. And Jeremias laughs. So Agapito says, men like Ramon believe in an order, but it's not the order that we follow. Pero Jeremias is like, I don't want to deal with crazies. The police doesn't have time to talk about vampires, sir. So he dismisses Agapito and goes. Pero cuando se va, Agapito's like, hey, keep the newspaper with that article. So young Jeremias goes to the guy who wrote the article about the cura chupa sangre. Another, another man. man. <laughs> <laughs> another man. And now we meet Julio Cesar Villegas. And Jeremias says, mira, I need all this information on the cura chupa sangre that, you're, that you have. And Villegas is like, haha, I gave the captain all this information. 
Pero all you motherfuckers fucking laughed at me. And Villega says, but hold on a minute. You look really familiar to me. Aren't you the guy that caught el vampiro Zacarias Ortega? And Jeremias is like, yeah, that was me, whatever. And Villega says, don't you think that maybe this has something to do with Ortega? That el curas chupa sangre and maybe Ortega could be related? And Jeremias says, maybe, but first you got to tell me what you know. So Jeremias and Villegas team up and they go together to the house of the little boy who was snatched by the cura. And this kid nails this tiny monologue that he has. He's he's so good. He's lying down on his bed. He's like sickly and like not doing well and frail, pale. And he says that the man that snatched him was un cura, flaco. And he had wrinkles como un viejito. And I was like, this kid is great. Pero no era viejito. He wasn't old at all. And the dad says that some people found him like tirado en la calle, unconscious. And the mom shows his little elbow crook, la parte de adentro where your Mm -hmm. vein is. And you can see a little pinprick of Mm -hmm. a needle right there. And the dad screams and he's like, the least you could do is put this out on the newspaper so people know what's happening because there's a cura snatching up our kids and sneaking in our bedrooms. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. And uh, <laughs> and the boy says one last thing about this cura. He says, el hombre tenía un perro negro grande. Okay. Big black dog. So in the car, Jeremias tells Villega, that the description of the cura that this little kid gave us sounds pretty similar to the description of Ortega. Pero isn't Ortega dead? Didn't he hang himself in the fucking jail? And Villega says maybe his stuff with brujería and satanismo brought him back to life. And maybe he's sending you a message. Like he's, maybe he's looking for you, Jeremias. And Jeremia says, listen, if Ortega is still alive, we're going to find out. So to do that, we have to visit El Enviado, the messenger. So off they go and they meet with Mario El Brujo. And this guy knows all the brujo activities, it seems. Like he's like the go-to, like, decime donde está el otro brujo y cualquier otra bruja, let me know, I need to know. And it seems that he owes Jeremias a favor of some sort because he's like, aha, are you here to like collect on your favor? And Jeremias is like, sabes que? Yes. And he says, I don't think Ortega is dead and I need you to help me out. You need to tell me where the fuck this guy is if he's not dead. And Mario says, well, mira, el vampiro Ortega is not a game to be played. This man is very dangerous. I'm not into that. But if you want, you can find him at El Cementerio Viejo in the Common Chapel. Bueno, and we're off again. We got a little stakeout. And then some of the cops that are on on some of the deputies, they call in and they're like, mira, eh, comisario, we see the suspect entering the cemetery. So they all fucking go. Let's get this motherfucker. They find a little gated section on the side of the chapel, like a tiny little, like almost like a window on the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, did, what would that be called? A window on the floor? It looks like almost like a basement window. Yeah. Kind of. Thing. Kind of. So they pull out the grate and Jeremias crawls through and jumps down. He lands on skeletons, on skeletons, on skeletons. Body pit. Just like body pit down there. 
So now we see present day Jeremias, el viejito, and he's remembering that day. And he's like, listen, you lose all sense of beauty in life when you see that shit. It's like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Of course. Because you think that one day you'll be like them. Just dust and bones. Oh, God. And Ernesto, que es un estúpido, says, <laughs> It must be a terrible way to spend eternity in a place like that where no one knows who you are. And Jeremia says, You know, that's exactly what El Vampiro Ortega was worried about when he made his pact with Satanás. And then Jeremia very wisely says, And listen, I don't know, but. Here you are asking questions about him. So now we're back in 1975 in El Cementerio after Jeremias has fallen into the body pit. Villegas is outside taking photos of the random cemetery and he sees something moving and the chase is on. The cops are chasing that guy and they're running after him and whatever through the fucking graves and shit and into a mausoleum. And so... Jeremias goes in and there's no one in there except a tomb. And he notices that the tomb has a little plaque with the name Ramon Perez Brenes with only one year. So like the year of birth is missing, but there's a dash. And then the year of death is 1939. Mm. Weird. Ramon Perez Brenes. Was the man that Agapito was like, this is the dude you are looking for. El cura. El cura chupa sangre. (laughs) Got it. So we're back in present day again. And Ernesto is back at Panorama at Suli's job, asking her for more fucking favors. And turns out Julio Cesar Villegas used to work at Panorama as well. That's why he wrote that article. And... Ernesto asks Suli to like look him up and see if there's anything on him. And she's like, there's tons of articles that he wrote, but like no one remembers him. He was long gone before I got here. But she's like, but I know somebody that might know and cut to them talking to an older security guard. Real lucky that this guy happens to be there and still remembers. (laughs) He says, yes, that Villegas was a really weird guy. The ladies were all very freaked out about him. and. One day he left and we never heard from him again. Pretty sure he quit. But also he used to be obsessed with that Ortega vampire guy. And that Villegas used to always say that Ortega would tell him that he would make him famous. Which you're just like, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, not good. So the next day, Ernesto goes back to Jeremias' house and we're getting more of the story. And Jeremias couldn't get it out of his head that Ramon Perez Brenes and Vampiro Ortega could maybe possibly be the same person. So now we're back with Agapito so that he can figure that out and see if he can solve that mystery of maybe them being the same. And so now Agapito is telling his story, so we're going to go further in time. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And now... We're in an old-timey library, and a man, Ramon, Ramon Perez Brenes, is sitting in a chair reading a book, looking very Thomas Edison-y, like a collared kind of white shirt and that skinny little, like, Colonel Sanders type of tie. Sure. Now, this is where I'll say, because we've had enough visions of different 
vampires. Uh, vampiros. That every one of these men, el Zacarias Ortega naked at the top, el cura bald-headed priest, this guy, fucking Ramon Thomas Edison, yeah. are all played... <laughs> are all played by the same actor. So Ramon Thomas Edison, call, that's just what I'm going to call him. He's the old-timey one. But absolutely, I love it so much. Ramon okay, Thomas Edison. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon Thomas Edison calls out for Agapito, who walks into frame, but he's a little boy right now. And... Ramon says, mira, Agapito, you got to stop playing in the streets with these random ass kids. It's time for you to start reading all the books in this fucking library. Fuck and you. I, <laughs> no, Agapito sir. Agapito quite literally says, los libros me aburren. And I was like, honey, Same. preach it to the choir. <laughs> Why do you think uh, yeah, we do yeah. a movie podcast, Agapito? <laughs> <laughs> So, los libros me aburren, pero Ramon Thomas Edison is like, mira, you'll do as I say. Okay, you little bitch. And he turns around and he's like, you're not my dad. Like, yeah. literally, you're not my dad. My dad is dead. And then Ramon Thomas Edison grabs little Agapito, throws him on the ground, and w grabs a stitch from nowhere and just fucking starts whipping the shit out of poor Agapito on the ground. In a voiceover, we hear older Agapito say that he never met his parents, that Ramon Thomas Edison told him that they died of tuberculosis. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. And we see little Agapito get up from his beating and Ramon Thomas Edison calls him over. He sits little Agapito on his lap and Behind little Agapito's back, he pulls out a small black velvet fold that holds surgical instruments. He pulls out a scalpel from that black velvet fold, and he tells Agapito that he knows that he has a special place in Agapito's heart. But you have to be good to me, porque si no, me puedo morir. He grabs Agapito's little finger, and he slices it open. And then Ramon Thomas Edison puts baby Agapito's finger in his mouth, sucks the blood, makes some very relishes. Yeah, very Ooh. upsetting noises that are too sexual in nature for my opinion. I felt bad for Agapito character in the movie, but also for the for the that poor boy kid. who had to film this scene. Ugh, what a nightmare. Especially because right afterwards, he shoves that boy's whole hand into <gasps> his mouth and God. is sucking the blood out of that little wrist. So uncomfortable. And it's just, it's, yeah, so uncomfortable and it's so weird. <sighs> so we're back to 1975 and Agapito is in, is in his hospice care now again talking to Jeremias and he says that when he became a teen he made a pact with Ramon Thomas Edison to buy his freedom back but it wasn't about money he let me go in exchange for a bottle of blood every two weeks and for more than 20 years I delivered until the police caught us so now okay the times so now it's 20 years after little agapito 
Okay, so this is that we're in the middle times. It's not. It's Agapito is young, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pero mayor. He's older than when he was a little boy, but he's not in hospice yet. He's like middle adult. <laughs> so we're not even at seventies uh, Jeremias at this no, point. Absolutely not. And Agapito at this middle Agapito is in a police station. And he's being questioned by an officer when they bring in Ramon Thomas Edison to the station and they're charging him for practicing abortos y brujería, both of which Ramon Thomas Edison dismisses. And he's like, aborto, the doctor is only the accomplice, like the murderer is the mother. Okay. Oh, okay, sir. <laughs> sir, fuck you, but sir. that's cool. Oh, boy. <laughs> and... And then he's like, and brujeria, that's a bunch of bullshit. And only ignorant people listen to brujeria. Go fuck yourself. Okay. So the lieutenant questioning Ramon Thomas Edison says that his socio, a.k.a. middle Agapito, has claimed that he gives Ramon Thomas Edison a bottle of fucking blood every two weeks. Pero Ramon Thomas Edison is like, I don't know this man. Sorry to this man. Fucking Kiki Palmer mean like (laughs) straight up. I'm sorry to this man. Thank you. But (laughs) (laughs) go see Nope, everybody. Go see Nope. Oh, my God. So good. Um, And then he's and then Ramon Thomas Edison is like, and you're coming to conclusions based on what you think and what you've heard about me. So. Try and come and get me with this, all these accusations. You're a bunch of bullshit. You have no conclusive evidence. Suck a dick. And Agapito is, <laughs> and Agapito is on, like offended that he is so dismissive and is like, I don't know this guy. So he turns. I'm, I've been giving you blo- two bottles of blood for fucking years. Wow. I mean, I can understand why he'd be like, oh, excuse me? So Agapito says, oh, you don't know who I am, huh, Ramon? And Ramon says, I got to go home and feed my dog. And Agapito's like, that's it. He stands up. He steals one of the cop's guns that's standing next to him. And he shoots Ramon Thomas Edison three times in the chest. Killing him, question mark? Uh And back to 1975, Agapito says, I went to jail for 30 years for doing that. And Jeremias asks, did Ramon Thomas Edison have a dog? And Agapito says, grande y negro como la noche. Hmm. And that it looked like a wolf. Okay. At his precinct, Jeremias gets a call. And it's from El Vampiro Ortega, which takes him to a church. And he sits in a pew and behind him... El cura slash Ramón slash Ortega slash el, el, el demonio del llano. Mira, demasiados nombres. El, el, el lechuza. El lechuza. La peste, whatever. La peste, todos los nombres. Upa. He sits behind Jeremías and Jeremías is like, dude, you're not going to get away with this. You think that you're greater than good and evil? And el cura says, We spend our lives trying to differentiate between the good and the evil. The sad thing is that for me, I don't care. What's sad is that I am immortal. And Jeremias is like, 
fuck you. Why'd you call me? What do you, what is all this? What are all these soliloquies that you're saying at me? And El Cura says, Debo morir hoy. I have to die today. And Jeremiah says, how can someone immortal die? You just said you're immortal and you said you're sad about it. And El Cura says, well, I need you to save me. I have no one else. I have no one else to do this for me. And I can't kill myself because that's part of my deal with the devil. And you must bury me within three days or I could return. And Jeremias turns to him and says, who are you, dude? What is your deal? And El Cura says, he sido Homero. I have been Homer. Soon I'll be no one. Soon I'll be everyone. Soon I'll be dead. So they go outside. Jeremias loads his gun. El Cura gets down on his knees and blam, in the forehead. Like fucking, como es que se dice when you're up there? Uh, up close and per- point blank. Up close and personal. <laughs> Starring Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, exactly. So now we're back to present day. Wait, wait, wait. I'm so sorry. Why did that happen? Why did he shoot him? Why did the priest want to die? He had to die that day. Okay, is this something that's going to be revealed later, or are you just yes, literally saying, okay, good, because <laughs> I was like, what is happening right now? Well, from what I understand in the ending, it's, I don't know if I'll be able to completely answer your question, but I think maybe I can. Great. I'm so I'll excited to hear what you say. <laughs> also, just going to say, the blood, when he gets shot here, the blood yeah. on the camera screen or whatever, yeah. I was like, weird choice. Um, yeah. Because it kind of took me out of, the, I was in, again, Confused as all fuck, but into this movie. But then, like, the spatter of blood onto the screen, I was like, oh, why are you giving us this? We've seen so much blood also as throughout this. Like, everything yeah. has been so blood-focused like focused uh-huh. that it felt really random to have, like, on, oh, we need to do a, a like on almost us? breaking of the fourth wall Exactly, kind of thing. breaking yeah. of the fourth wall. I was very confused. If anything, it made me think of that thing from the top. Like, oh, you know, like on the radio, come to the mm-hmm. gala. Come to People the gala. are being murdered. Like where it's like you are watching this and enjoying this spectacle. Yeah. I don't know. It was very confusing to me. Anyway, Agreed. I cannot wait for you to tie this all up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. (laughs) Me too. Listen, fingers crossed. (laughs) So back to present day, and Ernesto asks Jeremia, why did he kill the cura? And Jeremia says, because I couldn't prove that he was wrong. Like, Mm. there was no way for me to prove that he was the devil or not, or a vampire or not. Sometimes I think it was all un poco loco, like in Coco. Un poquito loco. (laughs) Pero I also know that things aren't always as it seems and we often don't understand. And then, and Ernesto asks him, where did you bury him? And Jeremias laughs and says, I've never gone back because tengo un miedo terrible de encontrarme con una tumba vacía. I'm horribly afraid that I'll go there and find an empty tomb, which is very... Oh, sure hope you buried him within three days, dude, because then you might fucking go back and find that thing empty. Exactly. So now, since Ernesto and Jeremias seems to be super pals, we're going to dinner. They chat about Ernesto's life, divorce, no kids, and Jeremias' life. 
married to the job for so many years. And what about Doctora Gomez? Have you ever thought about having a relationship with her? And Jeremias is like, no, we've known each other too long to get into anything. And then that leads into another story. Oh, my God. Can we talk about <laughs> this bar restaurant sequence for just a moment here? Absolutely. Because if there weren't a movie that just came out called Men just a month or two ago, this should be the movie called Men. Because... It's established here. He's like, oh, you know, I fucking cheated on my wife with the with the young intern at the newspaper place that I that I go to fucking Suli. And then El Jeremias is like, oh, man, aren't we funny like that? And I was just like, oh, no, I like old Jeremias and I especially liked the 70s one. But this yeah. Ernesto character, I was like, <laughs> the fact that I'm an hour and what? 20, 30 minutes into this movie, and I'm like, I am not enjoying spending time with you in this movie is tough. It's nice to be in the 70s because you don't have to deal with Ernesto. Yes, absolutely. And I'm just like, yeah, let's just laugh about how men are fucking shitty and like, yeah, we cheat on our wives. It's just what we do. Absolutely not. I fucking hated this. This sucked. Yeah, it did suck. So... We're led into another story, and this is where Jeremias basically is introduced to La Doctora Gomez. So this is the mm. first uh, case that they've worked together. So we see Jeremias. At this point, he's already older Jeremias. He's got a, a funny little mustache on to represent that he is younger than what he is now <laughs> and uh, wears a hat. And so he enters this crime scene where La Doctora introduces herself and she says, listen, I've heard that you're very good at casos raros, weird cases. And she'd like his opinion on this one. And we see on the ground a headless woman naked except for underwear. And she's lying on a pentagram. But it's there's it's more than penta. There's more than five. Yeah, yeah a it's bunch. a there's a bunch of points on this one, but like a pentagram esque sure. situation. Devils, the devil. Devils, yeah. El demonio, Satanás, toda esa mierda. Yeah. La doctora says that the son of a woman called Miriam Fonseca is a member of a satanic cult. And this young woman was a sacrifice for their cult. And in this satanic cult, they would read from. The Book of the Dead or the Book of the Damned, which el, el Libro Maldito is what it's called. And before every sacrifice that the satanic cult has done, they would read from El Libro Maldito. And Jeremias, as he's listening, he finds a camcorder on a table that the cult used to film the sacrifice. And then next to this camcorder, he sees a stack of CD boxes one of which had a piece of paper with a website written on it saying Mondongo Morg, not Mondongo. <laughs> Mondongo. <laughs> what is that, soup? Mondongo? That's soup. Well, tripe. Mondongo means tripe. <laughs> right, 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 oh my right, God, yeah. Mondongo. Oh my God. Sorry. Keep it, Karina, keep it. All All I saw was Mondo y se me salió Mondongo. I can't help it. Delicious. Not Mondongo. Oh, not delicious at all. I cannot do Mondongo ever. I've never been able to. So the website is called mondomorgo.com. Pero 
since Jeremias is an old fart that doesn't get along with computers, remember we saw it at right. the top. He's like, no me gusta email? la computadora. What is email? that? <laughs> Who is that? Email her. I hardly know her. <laughs> that was a bad one. <laughs> so basically, since he's bad at computers, he never looked up what mondomorgo.com means, which means you're bad at your job, sir. You couldn't have handed it down to the intern that knows. Learn the computer. Learn computers. Hello? It's not hard. He said, what? In a crime scene? Who needs it? No. Pero Ernesto is young and vibrant. And so he says he'll look up what mondomorgo.com is. The next day, la doctora Gomez comes to Jeremias' house, uh, where it turns out Ernesto slept over because after their dinner, they drank too much. And she basically says, guys, we got another body. So they all go to the crime scene and it's a little boy. But the difference is that this little boy is not decapitated, but he is completely drained of all his blood. So la doctora asks Jeremias what he thinks. And he says, you all assume that I know so much about all these quote unquote rare cases. But the only thing that I've accumulated all these years are doubts. And she asks could this be the same killer? And Jeremia says, it doesn't look like the same pattern. And he turns and he walks away. But Ernesto, who came to this fucking crime scene, he calls after him and he says, why did you lie to la doctora? And Jeremia says, mira, there's your book, dude. Here it is. Here, I'm handing this to you. You can get what you want. This is your wish, basically. And Ernesto says, I want Zacarias Ortega. And Jeremias says, tranquilo, el diablo se aparece solito. Ay, creeps. Which is very creepy. Yikes. Yeah. So back at his own place, Ernesto is looking up this website, mondomorgo.com, mondongo. <laughs> but <laughs> it won't come up. It won't come up. It says not found, whatever. So he's on the phone with a friend and the friend says that it's the dark web. Mm. But this friend seems to be into it. And he's like, here's a cool code to get you into the dark web. And so he types in the dark web numbers and bam, there's mundomorgo.com. And basically, it looks like an Angel Fire website, like just it like totally a. Totally <laughs> does. It is 1996. It might as well be a green background. No, a black background with green lettering. Yes, you know what I yes, mean? Absolutely. Horrible. Hilarious, though. Hilarious. <laughs> pero es una lista. It's a list of dates. Mm. And Ernesto clicks on one of the dates. And it's a video of the satanic sacrifice of the case that Jeremias went to see with La Doctora. He sees the young men from the cult come in with a girl. They strip her naked. They put her on the ground. They chop off her head with a machete. And they start to chant and drink blood from glasses. And I, yeah, in a pocket of terror in his computer screen, we see an older man with a priest's collar reading from a big book. Ernesto pauses the video and he brightens the screen. He prints the image. It's El Vampiro Ortega slash El Cura slash La Peste slash Ramon fucking uh, Thomas, Thomas Edison. Edison. Todo. Couldn't tell you who that was. I was like, who the fuck is that? Because this cura had pelo. Tiene pelo. Yeah. Dude, I was like, Who? <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, I I failed this movie. Oh my god, I I, I got a big fat F. <laughs> so now that now that Ernesto has seen El fucking Vampiro in the background of this the more recent fucking stuff in the satanic cult he hurries over to Jeremias's house to tell him what he knows but when he gets there there are police lights and an ambulance and Ernesto runs over and he finds La Doctora Gomez is there and she tells him Jeremias se mató he shot himself with his old revolver and Ernesto and honestly myself included is shook I oh was me like, too what why well is this another thing that Eileen will that you will explain to me? And I hope so. I, this is what I understood of it, and we'll go right into it. So now is Ernesto is back at the restaurant that is made of men, and uh, a waiter Teddy he drops off a FedEx package on the table for Ernesto, who is visibly upset. He's like, "My friend, I just made a friend. He's dead. He killed himself." And the FedEx package is from Jeremias. Inside it, there's a thick folder and a letter. So now we go back. <laughs> man, Uta. we go back to the day where we found the dead child right after the moment when Jeremias walks away from La Doctora Gomez. And as he's walking away, he runs into an odd woman who's just standing there. And then he follows her to a secluded area where she stops and points to where he needs to go. He walks a little bit more and he finds a pentagram similar to the one, the one that has several points on the ground. In the center, there, it, there's like a circle of candles where there would be a fire and there's ashes and deep in them ashes is a notebook. He flips through the notebook and inside is a letter from El Vampiro to Jeremias. And El Vampiro, the voiceover reads, it's no use chasing me this time. I thank you for everything you've done for me. But like I explained to you at the church, he sido Homero, en breve seré nadie, en breve seré todos. This notebook, this one that he's holding, you gave to me many years ago to fill with the names of my ofrendas. This that you have in your hands is what some people call el libro maldito. Oh, as long as men walk the earth, there will always be another book. But this one, this one is for you. As the voiceover continues, we see Ernesto, who is now thumbing through the Libro Maldito that was in the thick folder that came from the FedEx package. The voiceover says, when you feel your time is done and there is nothing else for you to do, you can write your name at the end of the page. And Ernesto thumbs the pages of this notebook, and it's filled, oh. T to B, filled with names. The voiceover continues, If you look, there's a space left for one more name, El Suyo, Comisario. And when you see, there it says, Jeremias Morales, and then the date. Yikes. So I think he killed himself because when they go to that crime scene with the little boy and he discovers this pentagram and the book and he sees 
I've been alive all this time. You didn't kill me. I just I've been, just been doing my thing and I will continue to do my thing. And you have spent years r- listening because I think that's the point of the very top of the film where he's listening to the tapes is that he's never let it go. Sure. He's sure. never been able to. He hasn't been able to stop this. Yeah. And this is literally El Bampiro giving him the out. He's like, listen, you're never going to catch me. You can have this book. Put your name in there. You're done, homie. And if anything, like when, like you said, it is hundreds, if not thousands, thousands. of names. Sí. And those are people that have been murdered, a.k.a. sacrificed, that maybe Correcto. Jeremias Morales could have helped if what he had tried actually worked. But clearly that yeah. did not happen. So yeah, yeah. he shoots himself in the head. Because, you know, that's fucking tough to oh, see yeah. that. All these all, all these fucking dead people. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right. I, that's what I seem to have taken from it. Yeah. Okay. Ernesto now drives back to the crime scene where Jeremias found the book in that pentagram. And that weird woman is there again. And she says to him, Aquí no lo va a encontrar. El lechuza. Él vive en el monte. Allá adentro. And Ernesto says, aren't you going to tell me where to find him? As she turns to walk away and she says, Ya lo encontró, profesor. So it's nighttime and Ernesto drives on an empty road and he hits something. Something literally flies and crashes into his windshield. Scared the fucking shit out of me. Me too, dude. I jumped. I jumped. He gets out of the car and on the road, lying seemingly dead, is a black dog. Garande y negro. (laughs) Pero... Ha, 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 that dog just flops that little body right up, and he's like, oh, hey, what's up? Beautiful dog. Uh, This dog is gorgeous. Gorgeous. From behind, the vampire grabs him and puts him in a sleeper hold. I was like, oh, okay, fucking Hulk Hogan over here, just like (laughs) sleeper holding. Ernesto wakes up to the sound of a dog lapping. (laughs) He's got a tube attached to his arm, draining him of blood which we see that the dog is also drinking from his bowl that lapping sound is just a big thick bowl of blood (laughs) Ernesto goes to stand up but he's lost so much blood that he just falls to the ground but the, the vampiro comes in and helps him back to his seat and Ernesto asks vampiro Ortega pero no he's not the vampiro Ortega The man said he once had the honor of meeting him before Jeremias shot him in the head. Just as he's pouring himself some of Ernesto's blood from an IV bag. And he goes to give Ernesto some in in his glass, pero Ernesto pushes it away. And the man is like, fuck this shit. And grabs that IV bag and squeezes the blood into Ernesto's mouth anyways. Like, a la gana. Like, he shoves it down his throat. The man then says... You'll get used to the flavor. The blood will give you the strength to do what's necessary. And he grabs the libro maldito that Ernesto brought with him and he sets it on fire. And from a desk drawer, he pulls out another notebook and he flings it at Ernesto. And Ernesto thumbs through it and he sees that this one is completely empty, except for one single name at the very beginning. Julio Cesar Villegas. And that is the man that he is looking at. 
But that man is also the old crime reporter pal that was working with Jeremias back in the day in 1970, whatever, with the cool glasses. With the fab 70s glasses, yes. Which he is currently wearing now. This mm-hmm. uh, Again, same actor that has played all the vampiros is playing this guy now. Mm-hmm. But when he is Julio Cesar Villegas in the 70s, it's a completely different right. man. Mm-hmm. Ernesto is obviously confused because he's like, uh, what the fuck? And he says, ¿Qué quiere usted de mí? And Viega says, I want you to carry on my legacy. Zacarias Ortegas's legacy. Ramón Pérez Brenes's legacy. And the many more before them. And Ernesto says, ¿Vos estás loco? And Villegas says, that's what I said to Vampiro Ortega. But he was right. I was like you. The thing I feared most was getting old and to be forgotten. Mm. I didn't want to die in anonymity. But today, my day has come. I can go in peace. And Ernesto says, and what if I say no? Villega says, I can't force you. None of us were forced. But if you do, if you do take up this, you'll definitely have material for a book. And maybe even enough to make a película. But Ernesto says, mira, el vampiro muere con vos, Villegas. He's like, I'm not doing it. The vampire dies with you. And Villegas leans in, petting his big black dog. En breve, seré todos. Porque there will always be someone to keep the illusion que aún estoy entre los vivos. There's a blackout. We see Ernesto running back to his car. He gets in, and as he starts the car, He looks up and he sees that the dog is sitting in the road right in the middle, right in front of him, in front of the car. He gets out. He walks over. And the two of them, the dog and Ernesto, stand a few feet apart from each other until simultaneously they both walk towards each other. Pero there's another blackout and we're back at the restaurant. And Teddy and all the waiters are hanging out watching a news report. Ernesto walks in, in the darkness, in a little pocket back there, and asks, what's going on, Teddy? And the waiter says, you haven't heard? Anoche mataron al diablo del llano. Ernesto goes to take a seat. The camera pulls out. He's now clean-shaven, all put together, beautiful, clean blazer. And next to him sits a big black dog. Fin de la película. I mean, very, very nicely done. Did that make sense? Yeah, he, he did it. He accepted. He accepted the gig. 70s glasses offer. As we were going through, as you were taking us through this, I did write down a few questions, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. Just Please. To, so, okay. I hope I can answer them. I do, too. So... <laughs> So the old man choice to make that same actor play all these vampiros, including 70s glasses at the end. Yeah. Uh, Is that to establish that they all kind of morph into this man at some point? I I don't know if the point is to take it literally that that's what will happen to them. I think it may have been just like a symbolic figure that they're all carrying the same uh, burden, if you will, even if it's not like to continue the legacy. I think it's meant to 
be a clear through line when actually it kind of blurs it all and makes it very confusing. Yeah. I think it's meant for us to be like, oh, yeah, that's that. The It's he's a vampire now, like kind of thing. And it's no that if anything, you're you're totally right. If any I thought I was like, oh, so the guy survived because he's a vampire and shaved his head. Like, that's yeah. what I thought. I was quite confused. OK, all right. Now, also, the cult thing that's brought in at the end here of yeah, like yeah. filming that that thing where, where they literally have tape the dark web monongomorgo or whatever a fucking <laughs> like why does this matter so there's a cult out there supporting these things but this doesn't have i don't understand are they are they sacrificing people for the same kind of like devil or any or something that the vampires are also honoring or i that i'm so confused about i assume that like because he has stood the test of time and he has this like maldito book, uh, the mm-hmm. libro maldito that they're like, oh, yeah. And because he's got to deal with the devil that they're like, well, you got to deal with the devil. Let's fucking get devilly with that guy. Interesting. Honestly, I couldn't tell you that one was also kind of a left turn. Anyway, you fucking nailed. Good job. Let's get into some <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, everybody, here is my trivia for today. First of all, if you look up Mondo Morgo on <gasps> Instagram, you oh will find a bowl the of movie. soup. <laughs> the movie's Instagram page, which I, which oh, I thought really? was very, very clever. Because I looked That's up cute. Mondo Morgo. Maybe this will give me like a dark. I literally was like mondomorgo.com. There's nothing there, but uh-huh. their Instagram page is at Mondo Morgo, which I just That's thought was smart. very clever. Okay, this I found from stories-llc.com, just a little bit about our director, Carl Zittelman. So it says here, Carl has directed over 70 commercials for brands including Netflix, Pepsi, Amazon Prime, Burger King. Wow. Which is very cool, Yeah. His diverse and visually striking work in narrative films and music videos has been screened screened at festivals including Montreal, Sitges, Sitges, I will never know how to say it, whatever, Raindance, Palm Springs, and Mar del Plata. Carl was recently awarded a Latin Grammy for Best Music Video for his animated short film slash music video Flamingo. And he recently completed a feature film about a real-life vampire, which we just watched and talked about. Carl hails from Venezuela and is trilingual, speaking fluent Spanish, English, and German. And I just wanted to mention that Carl wrote, I think it's a book or like a comic, maybe graphic novel. I couldn't see the like what it looked like inside, but it's called Choro 2021, Una Distopia Bolivariana. Distopia. Pero it says here on the Amazon description of this book that Carl wrote, the idea for this novel was born in June 2015 when I had the opportunity to travel to the Paraguaná Peninsula for the first time. The journey from the airport to the salt flats of Las Cumaraguas was one of the most disturbing experiences I have had. We drove along a desert path that showed the horrors of extreme poverty, half-naked starving children, 
animal corpses, ghost towns, and rusty posters about the achievements of the Bolivarian Revolution. Oh, boy. Yeah, those images, which clearly reminded me of the dystopian saga Mad Max, would never leave me. Choro 2021 is a post-apocalyptic Western, a road trip through a Venezuela in ruins where different tribes fight for surviving at any price. Whoa, that's kind of cool. Yeah. The story has an abundant dose of fantasy as to interpret it in the key of current, is what it says. And current is in... um, Quotes. Quotes, yes. Quotes. (laughs) I wish for a radically different future for my country than I imagined in this work and that this 2021 would look like Orwell's 1984, an unfulfilled prophecy. So please check that out. If uh, you're interested, look it up on Amazon. I'm pretty sure you can buy it there. And so, you know, I desperately, desperately, desperately try to find articles about Zacarias Ortega believing that this was actually based on a true asesino. Oh my God. I looked everywhere because this is giving you like a Blair Witch thing where it's like, oh, it happened. It's very true, yeah. actually. Like, and so it says here, like literally, I I took this thing from bisor.com.be, so Venezuela, that the movie is an adaptation of the novel Un Vampiro en Maracaibo de Norberto Jose Olivar inspired by the real case of Zacarias Ortega. Oh, shit! One of the most prominent serial killers in the history of Venezuela. That is telling me that there is a killer out there. Or there was, you know, back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I looked fucking everywhere, dude. I couldn't find shit about this person. However, I just looked up Venezuelan serial killers. And uh-huh. this is what I found. Now, this is the closest thing that I could be like, maybe this inspired the writer of Vampire in Maracaibo to uh-huh. tell this story. So gird your loins, everybody, because we're going to talk about Dorangel Vargas, a.k.a. the Comegente, a.k.a. the people leader, the Hannibal Lecter of the Andes, or the Venezuelan man-eater. Okay, everybody. Now, the reason wow. I think that maybe there was a, some inspiration here was because this took place quite a while ago, this Comegente dude. And this book came out in 2008. So maybe there's some light, you know, inspiration. Anyway, here we go. This is tough. So Dorangel Vargas was born in 1957 to poor farmers who worked with the Venezuelan Liberation Forces in the Colombian border to patrol jungles alongside the guerrillas. And they claimed that Vargas was possessed by evil spirits. Oh, boy. In 1995, Vargas was arrested for the murder of another transient man whom he cannibalized. And so he was subsequently institutionalized. Vargas managed to escape and began living in a ranch at a park in the city of San Cristobal, Táchira State. Vargas murdered and ate several people in the park. Uh! And despite his efforts to hide the bodies, evidence of his crimes were found by police, though they assumed that the area was the burial ground for victims of drug dealers or even a satanic death cult. So little ties here and there to this story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Vargas soon became a suspect in the murders, and when police searched his shack, they found multiple vessels containing human flesh and body parts. Dammer, dude. Dude, totally. So Vargas targeted male and healthy passerby, such as athletes, right? Laborers and, on some occasions, drunkards, as he avoided killing women and children and fat people because of high cholesterol levels or old people because of their contaminated flesh. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm just going to be a picky cannibal. I can only eat Michael Phelps. I cannot eat anybody else. (laughs) You fucking dick. Okay, so Baragas would bludgeon his victims to death with a tube-shaped metal spear or rocks, dismembering and cannibalizing their bodies afterward. Due to the country's lack of serial killer history, Baragas became a media sensation, being nicknamed the Hannibal Lecter of the Andes by the press as a reference to the fictional character. A psychological evaluation was inconclusive, as psychiatrists did not know if he was sane or mentally ill, Pretty sure he was mentally ill, though it was concluded that he suffered. <laughs> the... Listen, Dr. Jonathan Atkinson is going to go ahead and let I mean, you know that this guy was mentally ill. <laughs> this, this sounds, sounds rough, everybody. Yeah. Uh, don't mean to be judgmental, but uh, this is. This, but he was uh... mentally ill. <laughs> though it was concluded that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and had psychopathic tendencies. Mm. Okay, so this last part, I was like. Hmm. Because of a specific scene in our movie, during a mutiny in the prison that Vargas was being held in, he and 40 other men brutally murdered a robber who had been arrested in 2015 and two other inmates. They were then hanged to bleed, dismembered, and their body parts served to the starving inmates by Vargas. However... Oh my God. On Twitter, I found a username at underscore the red shadow on Twitter. Look them up. They said that the mutiny or riot at the prison was actually debunked. Oh, okay. And that horrifying thing that I was like, this might tie into our story. Maybe this book was inspired by this guy is the end of my trivia. <laughs> sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. No, no. I um, I love it. I only have a little little bits here and there. I'm going to give you guys the Goodreads um, synopsis of the book, El Vampiro de Maracaibo, uh, just so you can get an idea of what the book was about or is about. A neurotic history teacher is on the trail of a man obsessed with drinking blood and achieving eternal life, a vampire who haunts the hot city of Maracaibo, Venezuela. A retired detective becomes his ally and his best informant. So pretty much spot on the same fucking thing. Yeah. So check out El Vampiro de Maracaibo if you'd like. Goodreads has it at four stars. So that's a pretty good book, it seems. Great. Yeah. I found an article on the actual film on Cinematropical.com released on September 17th, 2019. Uncorked Entertainment and Dark Star Pictures announced the North American theatrical release of the crime thriller The Lake Vampire, El Vampiro del Lago, based on the novel A Vampire in Maracaibo by Venezuelan author Norberto José Olivar, in turn inspired by the real-life case of Zacarias Ortegas, one of Venezuela's most notorious serial killers known for drinking the blood of his victims. 
True to the spirit of the book, the story of the film moves between facts and superstition and signals an auspicious debut by Zittleman. That's nice. So I found an interview with Zittleman. This article is in HollywoodSoapbox.com. Says here, uh, the title of the of the article is Interview. It's scary to think Lake Vampire film is based on a true story. I'm really bummed out we can't find out about Zacarias Ortega. Dude. Me too. This is what I'm going to say hell? just real quick here. If anybody knows anything about this. Let us know. Please let us know. Yeah. So it says here, Maracaibo is a city in the westernmost part of Venezuela, and it's right next to a lake, Zittleman said in a recent phone interview. The original book is about this real-life case that happened back in the 70s about a serial killer who used to drink the blood of his victims. And he was a really, really slippery guy. He was put in jail a couple of times. He then disappeared. They thought he was dead at some point, and he reappeared years later, which is so terrifying. Oh, so scary. That's so Golden Gate killer for me. The original book, Zittleman said, is about this so-called vampire case, but also its focus is on the city of Maracaibo, which is an important city to Venezuela's oil industry. And that made me think of, did you ever read White Devil in the City? I think that's what it's called, about which is basically the story about H.H. H. Holmes. Holmes, no. And, but it's also the story about uh, the Chicago World's Fair, and it's like this bringing together of like creation of a city and the something important and architecture and blah, blah, blah. And then murder. Ugh. Everybody read it. Read a book. you. <laughs> That's us saying that to ourselves. Read a fucking yeah, book. Seriously. <laughs> Jesus. Haven't read a book in a while. I'm really proud of what we managed to do with this movie. I wanted to do a police thriller, like a genre American movie, but with a Venezuelan tone and a Venezuelan character. When I started working on the actual script, I realized an adaptation is a very difficult job. When I got the rights for the book, I thought, well, this is going to be easier than writing my own material. The idea is right here. It's just a matter of fitting it to the screen. But then you realize it's not that simple. I actually found it even more difficult than writing an original script because you have to cut out a lot of the stuff that you really love. And you feel that you have to stand up to the challenge of making a movie that is at least as good as the book, mm. which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that must be really fucking tough. Yeah. It's not all true, he says. It's based on a real life case. The book is a fictionized history. The writer is actually a history professor, and all his books are based on real life stories and real life cases that he somehow fictionalizes and romanticizes. And he did that with this book. Not everything is true. So this I found really interesting. Writing the script was the first challenge for Zittleman, but the real obstacle was the production. Filming The Lake Vampire commenced two years ago at the height of Venezuela's difficult economic times. Mm. This made filming almost impossible, so the director had to get creative. Venezuela is going through a major social and political crisis, he said. We shot the movie two years ago and the budget we got diminished by the day because of the inflation. Right now, I think the estimate for this year is that Venezuela is going to have a 10,000% yearly inflation. Fucking A. <laughs> yes. And back when I did it, we had like a 20% inflation per month. Ugh. So the catering, they wouldn't budget for a six-week shoot. I can budget you for two weeks, and in two weeks, I'll have to give you a new budget, and so on and so forth. 
We started eating chicken and meat and we ended up eating rice and vegetables. So, you know. Wow. The fact that they got it done, though, very impressive. Very impressive. The locations were a challenge as well because some of the locations I really, really loved were very unsafe. There was no way we could go there with the crew and shoot there because we could get kidnapped, robbed, or even murdered. We had to shoot with a security team, like a private security team, with us at all times. There's a scene in a graveyard we had to shoot at night, and we shot it at this graveyard outside Caracas where not even the police or the National Guard would dare to go in there. So we had to talk with the criminals from the area, the drug dealers, and they agreed for us to shoot at the cemetery. They would be our own security. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this article came out in 2019, written by John Soltis. uh, And that's the end of my trivia. Great. Fascinating. Crazy. You want to answer some questions for me? Absolutely. All right. Eileen, were you scared? Nah, were you? No, unfortunately not. I was not scared. Yeah. What was your best scare? I'm going to say my best scare was when the, the, the dog hit the windshield because I jumped really high with that. Absolutely. That definitely scared the shit out of me. However, I'm going to give it to the moment after they discover the vampire in Bolas, as you said, suckling on that upside down man's neck. The vampire kicks the shit out of Jeremias, knocking him out. And when he comes to and goes back to the car, hoping to find Pilar, the wife, in the car, but all you see is blood. Oh, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That really, I found it very unsettling. So I'll give give that my best scare. Who was your favorite character? I think I'll give it to young Jeremias Morales. I thought he was really good, very handsome, and like just like a like a cop. Like you knew he he was in it, he was doing his work and whatever. But also in general, performance wise, I thought El Vampiro as all those people, he just really was very scary and intimidating. My favorite version of his though would be um Ramon Thomas Edison. Like I think sure. he was the creepiest. Ramon Thomas Edison was the bald one? No, he was Thomas Edison. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Got it, got it, got it, girl. (laughs) Hence the name. Still Thomas Edison. Edison. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite character was also Jeremias Morales from the 70s, but I gave it to old Jeremias Morales. So both of them, I thought both actors did a great job, even though the old one was like, ah, men, we can't help but cheat on our women. You know, it's just the way we're made. And I was like, fuck you. But still... Thought the actor did great as a, as an old guy. Love looking at the 70s guy's mustache. So Yeah, you great know, mustache. So that's going to take it for me. What was your best line? Ooh, there was so... This one, again, this movie was so wordy. There was so much oh, script and stuff God. like that. Yes. Um, but some of these lines were really, really beautiful and well done. Um, so I have two. Mm-hmm. Bien sabe el diablo a quien se aparece which I think can be the thesis of our film. Like the devil knows who he shows himself to Mm -hmm. or who he wants. Yes, exactly. And then the other one that I loved was Los Libros Me Aburren. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Agapito. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. What about you? 
Mine was a line that Morales said toward the end when he was old Morales. And he it was basically it was along the lines of like the only thing I've accumulated throughout the years are doubts, Mm -hmm. which to me, like he's an old dude. He's been a police officer to come out chief, whatever the hell he is. And the fact that like in that position, after how many cases and seeing how many crazy fucking things throughout your life, what you're left with, at least to me, it feels like less answers, more doubts, which I was yeah. like, ooh, very intriguing and also very scary. So yeah. that's going to take it for me. And sad if you've spent your whole fucking oh my God, life so doing sad. that. And yes. all you have are questions when you're mm-hmm. a man who is in search of answers. Like that's your job. Yeah. Fuck. Heartbreaking. And then literally the next day he shoots himself. So what was your best death? With the suckling man, the man that got suckled upside down by the fucking <laughs> the vampire. That was yep. horrible. Yes, horrible. It was. That was mine. Suckle. Yep. Awful. <laughs> Suckle. Suckle neck. <laughs> Did you learn anything about the culture? Um, I mean, I the we saw a lot of a beautiful lake that I wish I knew what lake it was, and mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily a lot of stuff. Petejota. Mm-hmm. That's it. I learned that that's what they call the police force in Venezuela is mm-hmm. Petejota. So, yeah. yes, I learned something about Venezuela. What about you? I also learned a little bit. Petejota, you know, we learned about this book, which didn't directly come from like the movie didn't tell us that. But like we learned that, you know, that, yeah, yeah, it gave us some some words that we had not at least I had not heard before. So I'll say yo, what, sure, what was it bit. that she said? Um, yo de gafa. gafa. Uh, that's another fun. one that I was oh, going to throw in the line, lover. Yo de gafa, yeah. Yeah. Delightful. We did learn. We learned. Yeah. Venezuela, we're learning. We're learning. And finally, yes. how many uis do you give this movie? I'm going to give this movie... I'm going to give it two and a half. Mm-hmm. It was a little too confusing for me. It's obviously not as horry as I was expecting because mm-hmm. I went in too blind to know. Sure, sure. Um, definitely police thriller vibes, but um, but for the most part, I was engaged throughout it. But the performances were fucking solid, and like the seventies looked like seventies, and like it's a decent film. I just don't think it could just just needed some a little smoothing of like. Answering some questions and stuff like that. And unfortunately, not as spooky as I would like. So two and a half. Itu? I also gave it two and a half. I And I put a lot of emphasis behind that two and a half. Like that should carry weight, I think, because I think Carl Zittelman did a good job. Clearly, this was a tough uh, process for him. Yeah. So, you know. Very, very well done, sir. I also was engaged. Most of the performances were very good. I just think it got a little bit too bogged down. I was quite confused, as we all know. And I get it. I am a dundo at times. Like, uh, sure. No, but like, but muddly. I think this, it was muddly, yeah. It was a little messy. And I do yeah. think that there is a very scary movie in here. Like, I think so, really too. scary. This is, this is horror. Like, I've, absolutely. Horror movie. Sure. But yeah. I think like had they clarified, had they done a little bit less jumping back and forth, had they introduced the dog and the book. The dog came in way later. Way than... too late. Yeah. Like start off with like 
oh, there's been a, a satanic murder and like somebody saw a dog and there was a book and like, and then, why, oh, now I'm interested in this. And like, sure, I love talking to the old cop. But it, to me, it felt like if you're going to go to the 70s, stay there. Come yeah. back for like a little bit to touch on here and then, you know, and then tie it all together. Yeah. So I was really like, man, it feels like a missed opportunity. Like you really could have fucking scared us. Yeah. That being said, I didn't write this book. I can understand that it was probably super tough to make a screenplay out of it. So nicely done. We were invested, mighty confused, but I still had a good time. So two and a half. Great. <laughs> well, let's um grab our dog. Yes. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> He's so handsome. So handsome. Such a handsome boy. Oh, <laughs> so just so everybody knows, the dog actor's name is Musu, and he is Musu. very cute. Oh, my Musu. gosh. Oh, you Musu. Um, but anyways, thanks so much for being here with us, guys. We appreciate every single one of you every single time. Oh, my goodness. Did you know you're so good looking? Um, <laughs> please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are in cualquier plataforma. We love it. Uh, follow our redes sociales at Wikiroar on Instagram and Twitter. Send us an email at Wikiroar at gmail.com. You can find all of our movies at linktr.ee slash Wikiroar. Literally, they are all there for your perusal. Thank you to Sonoro for being the lake that holds all of our cadavers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find them at Sonoro Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. And um, Johnny, <laughs> you're the only one who I would allow to suckle at my neck. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> I fucking love you. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adios. Adios.